This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. experiment was under control. What is it? These creatures are extremely dangerous. They thought they could keep it under cover. It's classified. They thought they had all the answers. What the hell are you talking about? Genetically reconstructed replicas of prehistoric dinosaurs. But they were wrong. Carnosaur 3. I'll team back to the freight elevator now! Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's Sequel to Deja Vu, where our theme is sequels, sequels, yes, and more sequels. Maybe even a remake or two, and maybe even a prequel, but not today. Today we're doing our first part three. It's our first uh, third part in a, in a trilogy of films. We're actually not quite a trilogy. We were talking about this off the air. There are several films in canon with this series and several that are not but we are going to be doing carnosaur 3 primal species from 1996 produced by the legendary roger corman and released by new horizon pictures and my co-host this week is my good friend scott tepperman how we doing hey you know i had to be on this with any sequels that's my thing so sequels <laughs> and remakes that's me Yep, yep. I, I do have someone in line to do our first uh, remake, and it's it's one that I I I, I regret <laughs> I regret saying you choose the next one because he chose a remake that I won't name quite yet. I won't name quite <laughs> yet, but yeah, uh, it, uh, yeah, it's it's ooh, it's a stinker, it's a Thanks. stinker. But we're we're talking about a good one this week. We're doing Car- Carnosaur three. Released in 1997, no, 1996, mm-hmm. year after the Carnosaur 2, which was 95. Now, Carnosaur 2, I think, kind of had one one up on this movie just because of the cast alone. You know, you had Clifton Young, you had Don Stroud, Miguel Nunez, Arabella Holzbog, and a bunch of cool people. But this movie does <laughs> have a few other people in it uh, that are are also from you know uh from part two playing other characters 
Mm-hmm. We have uh, Rick Dean, who, who played, you know, Monk in this one, in uh, part two. I, I forgot his character's name <laughs> in uh, this one. Polchek, that's it, Polchek. Oh, jeez. Yeah. The Polchek character. Probably but the then we get the uh, Michael McDonald. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, he he should have been the lead. Yeah. He should have been the lead. I, I like Scott Valentine, but, you know, uh, yeah, Polchek was just humorous as hell and then we got michael mcdonald who was famous for mad tv and a bunch he's, of other comedies he's just a legend and yeah he was in part two and three as different characters as well but he he's um he's no stranger to roger corman films and and productions and all that but yeah he's he's great i mean you know I, i've never liked snl but uh ever i mean i i don't think it was ever ever funny when i was old enough to appreciate it every time i started getting when i got to that age where i was actually old enough to understand what was on nothing was funny you know i know that they had some legendary <laughs> cast early in the 80s and the 70s of course but i i never ever found snl funny and mad tv was by far much better the i think the cast was more talented i think the writers were better i think the uh all around it was a, a great show but michael mcdonald just brung it and then you know you, you see him in serious pseudo serious roles pretty much i mean he, he always has that edge to him but you know, you see him in stuff like Carnosaur two and three, and he's he's not the 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 goofy whatever you think he's quite going to be. He just shows like he's got a little bit more range. So it was cool to see him yeah. pop up in this one and part two. I I was surprised to see him pop up in this one. It had been some yeah. years since I had seen it. I'm like, oh, there he is, this random like police officer Wilson. And I'm just right. like, yeah, it's <laughs> just the guy who played fucking Stewart for crying yeah. out loud, <laughs> right? Um, well, let's jump right into it. We'll go ahead and give a, give the quick IMDb synopsis and start tearing into this bit by bit. All right, Carnosaur 3, Primal Species. International terrorists get a surprise when their cargo turns out to contain living dinosaurs. The Army Commando team now have to think fast if they want to prevent the extinction of the human species instead of the reptiles. And that's pretty fair. I think lots of time is a hit or miss with these IMDb synopsis, but that's a a pretty fair. Yeah, that's straight Um, to the point. This was directed by Jonathan Winfrey. What's that? I said it was directed to the point because, you know, the plot was um, simple. There was not much to it. So, yeah, they they need to go on and on. (laughs) I kind of covered it. Yeah, I was just saying basically the uh, the IMDb, they didn't need to go over and above anything. It pretty much um, said what it was, pretty simple and direct. and. you know, a clean cut. And, and, well, as fun as this movie is, it's pretty threadbare on plot, which right. is not I'm not saying it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a negative to, towards the movie. Because, you know, when you're in the three movies deep into a straight to video, you know, killer dinosaur series, you're not there for plot. You're there for effects. You're there for thrills and, you know, chills and thrills. But it gives a lot of that. And I have to make a note that the... Uh, the director and the writer of this movie, Jonathan Winfrey, who directed it, also had a small role as Bob, um, is a sequel guy in good standing. He did Black Scorpion 2, Excessive Force 2, Blood Fist 7, and another not a movie that I like a lot, but it's not a sequel, is New Crime City. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the fellow who wrote it, Robert Kirshner. It's also uh, had done a lot of sequels. He did Blood Fist 4 through 7, Caged Heat 2, uh, Unborn 2, Turbulence 2. So, you know, these guys are kind of sequel sequel dudes. So that's, they, you know. They are, and, you, you, you know, especially working in very low-budget, independent films even, um, you know, a lot of people go to the well for the same people, um, for their same acting crew and all that. Uh, you know, so, I mean, you mentioned Unborn 2 and Black Scorpion 2. Scott Valentine, who's uh, the lead in this, was in both of those films. And, and right. you know, with the exception of, I mean, let's be honest, he was known as Nick in on Family Ties, mainly. Um, but outside of that, he was pretty much only known for My Demon Lover, which was like 1987 comedy. With You know, we say comedy horror, but it's about as horror as Hell's Bells was. It was comedy horror, you know, had, had a little craziness, but it was mostly funny. Um, and then it was pretty much Mind Demon Lover, and then nothing really stand out for almost 20 years until Carnosaur 3 came along. And, and 
people could roll their eyes and be like, oh boy, what he, you know, he's really striking the uh, striking the gold with this one. But you know what? It's it's a it's a good series. It's a cool series. It's got a, a cult following, underground cult following, and uh, you know, I mean, this is it's good work. It really is. He did. I thought he did a pretty good job in this. Um, but uh, he carried a movie, and this yeah. is one of the few that he actually did carry. And I thought he did an admirable job. You know, another one I liked with him that was, well, one of his first movies was Dead Time Stories, which yeah. is a nifty yeah. little anthology. But the hell, that was even before the, you know, the Family Ties days. It's early. But yeah, yeah he, he does fairly well with this uh, as Colonel yeah. Rance Higgins. Mm-hmm. I think he, I feel like he's trying to do his best Stallone in, impersonation. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he's got this this the snarl, <laughs> you know, that that sneer that, that Arnold had, not Arnold, yeah, had, but that he, Stallone had. He he has a um a demeanor in this that, to be honest, <clears throat> it's almost laughable and it's almost it almost seems like it's, to be honest, really bad acting. Like he's so uptight and he's so his whole everything he's delivering is he just the, the the frown turned up, you know, the the, the smile turned upside down. The whole movie, it's literally like, <laughs> right. He, Almost like a ventriloquist dummy with his, you know, his the bends in his lip. Um, but he lets up as the movie goes on and he's, he becomes really likable and you kind of root for the guy. And uh, I think he did a good job. I think um, he may have. It, it looks to me I'm not really that familiar with the um, production um, schedule of this film or how it went. But it almost looks to me like there was a big break in when they filmed and then he didn't just quite do the same role the same way i i can't picture him acting one way one day and then the next day on set acting completely different because it does look like he lightened up a little bit it looks like he humanized the character a little bit more which endears him to the audience and uh it, it, it's a it's a um a sudden change but it's a welcome one uh but it still does look like to me that they, they may have filmed it you know cool cool quite a few some scenes quite a few uh months apart or something that's just my opinion that's what it looks like but that's a, that's not saying anything bad. I mean, this Carnosaur Three is uh, it's actually my favorite out of the the five. So <laughs> now the other the other films in the series, we'll talk a little bit about them. There's Raptor, which stars Eric Roberts, which is a loose loose <laughs> sequel, uh, which I have seen, which I got a copy of it from you actually. Yep. And then Eden Formula, which I have not seen, but I am anxious to see eventually. Yeah. Now, well, they got. Have, um, I think in that one it's Jeff Fahey, it's Tony Todd, it's D. Wallace. I mean, they have some names in that one. Oh wow, Tony yeah. Todd. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. We'll start off in the beginning of this movie. We got a kind of a, a, the military montage, and what the note I made is there's a great character actor who actually was a star of a movie that we just reviewed uh, on the Full Moon Show called Dolls, mm-hmm. uh, but Stephen Lee who was also in like RoboCop 2 and a bunch of other things. You know, he plays Sarge, but he's like, I made a note, like as I'm going through this, I always make notes. I'm like, oh, Stephen Lee, always love seeing him. And he's dead. <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't make it very long. I love the the line he has, you know, the, you know, we don't, the, the army doesn't stop for a call to nature, son. So it makes the, the young officer take a whiz out the back of a moving. Jeep, right, right, right. <laughs> which is just, it's kind of stuff. funny when you think about it. It, it. There's a lot of good humor in here, some intentional purely. and so, some purely unintentional, I think. <laughs> but you got that terrorist ambush that happens. I feel like they blew half their budget on that opening action scene alone. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, because there's I mean, a lot of good explosions, a lot of good pyrotechnics, a lot of good slow motion action scenery and whatnot. And I think it bears mentioning that Cyril O'Reilly. Yeah, I was just going to mention him. Yep. He is great. Now, this is also yeah. another thing that, that uh, you know, is just kind of a one a, a, a bad thing about the movie, but like an unfortunate thing about the movie. He's killed off way too soon, yeah, his character is. Dolan. And he really has got a great accent. He doesn't have that usual kind of like New Yorker kind of accent like he used to have, yeah. usually has. Uh, but, you know, he was... Uh, Tim from the Porky's series. And I exactly. recognized him right so, off the bat. I'm like, oh. favorite of mine. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, holy shit. I'm like, he's in this as a terrorist. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love the part, though, when the when he gets the one soldier and the guy is like, no. And he's just like, yes. <laughs> right. Yep. 
shoots them and then they make their escape in what I have aptly named the Night Industries uh, semi-truck, which that's what it looks like. <laughs> I expected them to open it up at the, you know, at the end and be like, oh, no, it's just it's not dinosaurs. It's just Kit. Yeah, right. I'm just back right up onto the road. Right. And I think it's funny that they 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 get to where they're going. You know, they they rendezvous after you know, stealing this this transport and everything. And it's not what they think it is. It's supposed to be uranium. And it doesn't seem like the terrorists know exactly what they were stealing. They think it was uranium, but it turns out to be, what is it? Of course, it's dinosaurs. <laughs> but, you know, that's as you do. But I, I have one thing to say. As, as, it, as it cuts back and forth, we see this separate covert operation that's going on. Once we finally figure out after a few minutes that it's just a training exercise, but I I do have a question like uh like when Scott Valentine's character uh, Higgins d- does the thing he's like all right on my mark in three one two I'm like I have a question about that you, it, it, like three one two do 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 people usually go on two I usually thought it was on one <laughs> maybe I'm being nitpicky but I don't I don't. <laughs> But the trainer, <laughs> but he, Higgins is a bona fide hard ass in this movie. I know we talked, yeah. we've already talked a little bit about it, but he does kind of lighten up, you know, eventually during the movie. You know, he, he he gets a little bit of levity to him, a little bit of a sense of humor. But like when the when the oh, what's his name? Um, oh, Mercer's nephew shows up. The the private what uh, Spinkins, I think his name might be. The Robin Flender plays, who is also a carryover actor from part okay. two to part three okay. yeah when he shows up and he's like he's like you know you ain't riding in my jeep with that haircut son yeah. like yeah. he's calling him son he's like three years younger than him nice Maybe. yeah that just showed his badassness though like to me um i i almost think i mean the story like you said early on the, the stories are they're, they're not really they're kind of threadbare with this series i mean if like you said if you're if you're showing up third series a uh, third film in a made to video series pretty much you just want to see dinosaur action you just want to see whatever um so you know with carnosaur 2 maybe changing a couple of things here and there that was almost an identical plot to me it still had the badass um well-defined characters it had the the rough girls it had every you know it was almost like an aliens uh, clone um this one seemed like that one with a little less budget um but more humor and i i appreciated yeah. that more it's a fun series and they they what works with the carnosaur series for me and i debate everybody here all the time because they they think i'm crazy anytime <laughs> i talk about the carnosaur series first of all no one's even either heard of it or, or have seen it but um i think they're so much better than the jurassic park movies now, now i will say this like i'm being straight very serious about them i don't like the first three jurassic park films at all i think they took themselves way too seriously I think the um I the one that. that I think the one that was just the in theaters a couple of years ago that was a Fallen Kingdom, which was the worst reviewed one, by far was my favorite one in the series, and that's because I had a blast with that movie. Dinosaurs loose in a mansion being auctioned off. I mean, it, that's fantastic. It was yeah, it's fun. ridiculous and it it's fun. Fun. It was playful. It was enjoyable, and that's how every one of the Carnosaur movies are. And I think the first Carnosaur movie is probably the most serious. Um, but that's that's also very uh, there's good performances in that one. It's a good film and it sets the stage for a, a great universe of these creatures. Um, so I always thought they were better than the, the Jurassic Park movies. But like I said, the Fallen Kingdom worked for me because it was humor. And that's what was really missing for the first three Jurassic Parks. They almost seemed pretentious to me. The Carnosaur movies just had a lot of fun right from right from the get go. They had fun. Well, the crazy thing, too, is that um, everyone hears carnosaur and they're like when they hear about what it is they're like oh that's a cheap rip off of jurassic park carnosaur came out first <laughs> yes it, <laughs> it did came out first and you what, know about four weeks sooner was it, it came, was yeah it? it came out first yeah and, and i mean you can say what you want about it but um no they they had it done first and carnosaur is also based off a much better book which well, i actually I happen to have by uh john brosnan and the film is um pretty uh for films and how they are adapted from books, it's it's a pretty damn faithful adaptation of the book. So yes. uh, yeah, it works it works really well. But back back to our movie at hand. Uh, 
you know, it doesn't really matter what the the terrorists are there for because they all get slaughtered. Every single one of them, but one of one of the terrorists gets slaughtered, like Rando Terrorist Number Five, <laughs> and the cops find them pretty easily because they they get pulled over, and um, oh, what's uh, Dolan, the Cyril O'Reilly's character, you know, kills a cop and he's uh, like, I'll, I'll hide the body. You know, he didn't hide the body very well because the cops yeah. find it literally within screaming distance of where they're they're now like getting attacked by these dinosaurs. Oh. And like they hit that cop so damn well. But then enter General Pete Mercer. He sends in H- Higgins' team, of course. This is when it starts to become kind of like Predator a little bit. You know, you got the mix mash of team members that are all very different. They're all very macho. But the the movie is very efficient. That's something I have to make a note of here right off the bat. It's very efficient. It moves very fast. And it's... The cinematography, the camera work is really, really great. I made a note that the cinematographer was Andrea Rosado. Now, he went on to do stuff like uh, the Ratchet series for Netflix, American Horror Story, and a bunch of TV work. And I think that's what this movie has above and beyond part one and part two is, is shot better. It's got some creative camera work. It's got some nice zooms in it. And, you know, a lot of uh, crane work and whatnot that they just didn't have with the first movie, I think, with a much lower budget. And right. you might, you'll probably back me up on this. I think with the much lower budget, they had to get creative in other ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you uh, being uh, in the low, low shoestring budget filmmaker like you and myself. Yeah, we, <laughs> right. know, we know how that is and how to maximize what we can. But um I, I, the thing that I also think elevated Carnosaur three over at least well at least the second one is the fact that um I think the second one there were parts that uh, I don't want I, I don't I still don't like spoiling movies that are even thirty years old <laughs> I just like do it um but the second film to me had too many endings um the third one didn't overdo it it set it up did whatever there was a chase and it ended. Sometimes then there's too many false endings for a movie. I, I don't it's like no, it should have ended there. It should have ended there. Which is kind of what you were saying with it being succinct and to the point and moving along. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Um I felt like the second one, which I I love the whole series and I liked the second one a lot, but I felt like that I was almost looking at the clock like how how much longer? Um <laughs> not I feel with this one. I just I I really think this one moved very well. And I, I agree with you. Some movies don't know how to end, you know, or don't know where right. to end, and they have too many endings. But this movie, <laughs> we'll get to the ending eventually. But, uh, yeah, it, it was very efficient, moved very fast from place to place. The action is very tight and taut. And uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, my favorite part of the movie, my favorite one-liner, is when they show up to the the transport truck, they're inside it, they got the nifty green lighting outside, the r- nifty red lighting inside, and they have the line that says, it looks like a Friday the 13th nightmare up in here. Yeah. And yeah. I just I had to <laughs> I had to stop and pause to write that line down. It's like, I see what you did there, and I like it. Yep. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the things I like is uh, with the Carnosaur series as a whole, and, and I will say probably for the first three, I don't necessarily feel like the uh, – Part four and five have this, although I, I again I like all of them, but um, the first three films, you know, you know, and this is not a bad thing, but you know, it's uh, coming from Roger Corman. Uh, you know, those are notorious for being cheap, uh, exploitative, um, uh, not overly original, very derivative from certain things and whatnot, and yet you you go in expecting that you know the budget's going to be very low. And you go in and you watch, and you're like, damn it, this is this was good. <laughs> they did a good job with it. And it wasn't just entertaining, stupid entertaining. They made a good solid movie um with this with this series. They really did a good job with these. Every one of them in a film in the series looks good. The first three looked better, obviously, than the last two. There was pretty much no budget for those last two. But um Oh well part they, four, they four just looked, Raptor was just basically a clip show. Like a clip show, yeah, exactly what it was. Yeah. But I, it was good. I still enjoyed it. I mean, I'd, I, I'm the kind of person that, you know, sometimes you hear things. It's like, oh, it it, it ruined it. That, that's showing on too many seasons or it should have ended here or whatever. I'd rather get more of something 
a shitty version. Excuse me, I don't know if we say that, but um, oh, you can say whatever you like here. <laughs> more of a more of a shitty version than rather not have one at all. Like I know, getting on a totally different tangent, I'm not going to really jump in here. But like Phantasm Ravager, I can't stand that movie. But I'm glad we have a Phantasm Five, and rather than not having one at all, I'd rather have a shitty Phantasm than not have one. That's how I am. So that's the same thing with with you know the Carnosaur films or whatever. I just keep making them. I don't care if it's ten dollar budget. Um, they're a lot of fun, and they they know where they fall in in the uh, cult horror uh, genre. They know what they're doing. They're not trying to strive to be more than they are. They're not promising more than they are. They're just delivering a solid movie for their their fans, and I, I appreciate that. I think that's why it's grown a fan base as it has, is because it kind of respects the audience and it it winks at them. It's like we know that you 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 were expecting this, expecting this, and we're doing that, but we're gonna give you a little bit more than you're expecting. And I think anyone that watches a Carnosaur film with an open mind has never seen one and likes these kind of films. Of course, if you're going in expecting Jurassic Park, you're gonna be let down because there's no budget. The acting isn't is questionable sometimes. But if you go in knowing what you are keeping your expectations in in check, you will come away really enjoying these films. Well, you know, like I've had people ask me, like, how I can give a movie, you know, like a full moon movie, a nine or a ten, you know, and give a big budget movie, you know, like a a Terminator film less than that. I'm like, well, when you go into a certain movie, you know, with an expectation and if that expectation is met and it's, it's pleasing and it's satisfying, of course you're going to give it a high rating. You know, does that mean like a movie like, um, let's say, Evil Bong, is is it as good of a movie as, say, Terminator 2? Like from a technical mm-hmm. standpoint? Of course not. But like right. if you go into the, the movie with a certain expectation and it's met, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's just the way it is. You Sometimes you... Sometimes you just need cheese and popcorn, you know, that's all it is. And this is a cheese well, and popcorn kind of movie. No, that's totally what it is. And that's when I did my um, my horror book. I think you have it. Yeah, I think oh, you have yeah. a copy of it. I did my horror book, and it was very well received. And I, I did another one. And I basically tell everyone real quick, but it's a, a review of 100 overlooked horror films um, that I think are just, you know, for whatever reason, forgotten about. Then I did a second one of the same thing. But... I review those films and I, I went to school for this stuff in general. So I, I, you know, when I went to college, I was studying movie uh, film review and movie stuff and all that. Um, but I review a film as a horror fan and not a critic. And I think people appreciate the difference. If you're going to go in there picking everything apart as a tech, like you were saying, being technical achievements or whatever. Yeah. People aren't going to appreciate that. Throw this piece of shit away. Oh, this is another Friday the 13th. Who the fuck cares? You know, after part three, I stopped I watching. So <laughs> exactly. You start, you, you care. And then you people should treat those films. You know, I'm still in awe of the fact that you and I and everybody, you know, in general, whatever's on the screen, any film has come from an idea from somebody's head. And they took the foresight and had the passion and the drive and everything else to somehow pull it together into a cohesive idea, get a screenplay out of it, cast it, film it, edit it, get it shot, get it distributed. How can you rip anything apart for that? How can you rip anything apart for that at all? I just, I, I got off of my tangent there, but I, I just, oh, no, I don't it's understand. It's a tangent I've been so on I, many times. I appreciate, I've... I just appreciate every film, something out of every film. I'm not saying every film is the greatest thing in the world, but they, they didn't have money. They made a film anyway. They didn't have acting. They made a film anyway. I mean, that's just, how cool is that? Would you rather sit around and, and be a bitter person, a keyboard warrior in your mom's basement complaining about everyone online? Get out and make your own <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, you know, I like even if a movie is absolutely horrible and bonkers nuts and, and I don't like it, I, you know, I'm still going to, you know, I've never given a movie a zero. I have right. actually only given one movie uh, ever, ever given one one movie a one. <laughs> nice. And that, that that's who oh, that's this is the, the and this one movie that I will never, ever review because I won't tell the director who I bought the movie from personally that I, I thought their movie was, was a plate full of hot garbage because I, I don't want to, I hope it's not any of ours. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is, uh, I bought this from somebody at a convention random. It was just like, Hey, this guy is a filmmaker. He's made, he made a movie. I'm going to buy it. It was a slasher, you yeah. know, kind of, kind of a, a cycle, not a psychological, but a, a paranormal kind of slasher. And I'm like, yeah, but who, <laughs> I've, I, I regret the fact that I spent $17 to buy it, 
But I also, uh, you know, I, when I looked at it, the guy made a movie. He finished it. He shot it, edited it, you know, and got, like you said, got it distributed and had copies on DVD. So he got it finished. You know, anybody that like, even though I think it's the worst movie of all time, it deserves, you know, some accolades because they finished it. So many well, people start that. movies and never right. finish them. Right. And what gets me crazy is the fact that, um, fuck Hollywood. I'll just say that because, you know, Hollywood Every time you watch an indie film, it's, uh, you know, you've worked with me on so many and and we've, you know, been around each other with so many films, but it's cool. You know, you're watching it like, God, yeah, remember you were propped up against the wall with one arm sticking out, holding that lamp just the right way. So it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't wiggle and mess up in the film. I mean, this is labors. These are labors of love all the time. And there's a lot of pride and there's a lot of whatever Hollywood. They have everything at their fingertips, and the more that they have at their fingertips, they have endless count, uh, uh, checking accounts, endless bank, any endless. They get anything at their resources, anything they want. They get distribution. They don't have to battle, and it's not nothing's an uphill battle for them. And they churn out shit. So movies like that, yes, I will give zeros and I will rip all over because they should do better. They're lazy, and all the indie films that don't make money for Amazon and don't make money for all these other companies are dropped by Amazon and dropped for all these other companies. And it makes oh, it very no. hard for indie filmmakers to get out there because we don't make the, the money, unfortunately, but the, all the ideas and all the passion is in the indie community, which is fucked up if you ask me, but how do we get off this? We're talking about artists. <laughs> <laughs> that happens sometimes, especially when we get together, we end up getting on a right? rant, but that's okay. That's Man. okay. I'm not bitter. But- <laughs> oh, I'm not bitter at all. No. Oh, get back to the. We'll get back to Carnosaur Three. Where were we? We we were at the the probably the thirteenth line. Okay. <laughs> My next note here is shittier cops meet an even shittier demise because they all get the uh, disemboweled, torn apart by our lovable, cuddly Carnosaurs, or as I uh, so aptly named them, the Carnies. That's nice. my nickname. That's my nickname for them. But I love it when like the the. Our commando, you know, our predator team shows up, and I think it's uh, Polchek has a line. He's like, "Nothing left but a couple of heads, sir." And the camera pans down, and, and there's two separate legs, played, right? yep. no, no heads to be seen yep. anywhere. <laughs> the effects are pretty good in it. I mean, what do you, you know? I, I no, enjoy the effects it. are really good. The blood and the gores. They, they did. The, 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 the heads, the, the the severed heads look good. I mean, those they they look good. And I made a note here. The, the carnivores really love decapitating people. That seems to be like their go-to movie. Like, yeah. what, four or five different people get their heads bit off in this movie? And I'm all for it. Each one of them looks really, really good. Yeah. Uh, the decapitations, the blood, and the gore. I mean, like I said, this, this is a hybrid film. It's part action adventure. It's a big heaping dose of sci-fi and a lot of horror at the same time. Mm-hmm. So but with the humor in it is also... It, at times, it's a little bit off-putting, but like you get to get used to it as the time rolls on. You get used to the characters, you know, between Sanders and Higgins, and when Doctor Hodges finally comes in. But Polchek, Polchek is the man. He's so inappropriate. He's a sexist piece of shit. But like, you can't help but be entertained by him because he's, he's just that. Yeah. yeah, he's likable. He's funny, and you know, he's not likable by his other teammates. You know, right. but. Especially when uh, Mercer sends in the other, the army rangers to come in and help them. They do not like him at all. Right, exactly. Like, these guys aren't exactly a cracked, you know, cracked team here. But uh, right, a couple of the guys get killed off really quick. Billings, Ferguson, Coolidge all get taken down. Mm-hmm. They get to they get decapitated and torn apart. And then enter, enters Janet Gunn as Dr. Hodge, mm-hmm. who is kind of... Uh, a newer version of Diane Ladd's character from the first movie. She is carrying on the research. And I thought, you know, maybe it was just me, but I thought she was almost a dead ringer for Barbara Crampton. You know, I thought she looked a lot like Barbara Crampton. And I had to look, I'm like, I I thought maybe that, maybe they were related somehow, but nope, they are not. No, there's, yeah, there's, there was no, um, there's no accident in that. Obviously, like I said, they, they, um, they know the audience that they're playing to. So everything was, um, you know that there's no there's no happy accidents with that. That was all planned, which is really smart. You know, my thing is the the biggest sin a horror film can commit is uh, 
It can be stupid. It could be pointless. It could be cheap. It could be badly made. As long as it's not boring, there's no reason a horror film should ever be boring. And, you know, what they do here is they uh, introduce, you know, they have a weird setup with, I mean, think about it. It's a bunch of gunfighting, right? Then they have people getting killed. Then they introduce the dinosaurs pretty early. They have some wacky lines going on. Um, It ends up towards, uh, I I guess, towards the third act. Um, Yeah, kind of ended the second act, beginning third roundabout area. The two hotter girls are running through the ship, you know, with guns, and they're on their own. It, it's delivering exactly what it needs to. It, it really is. And, um, I mean, to, to be honest, as a, as a filmmaker, and I don't even know if you know this, but I've always Kim, – Kim knows this. My, my dream, and I know it may for many be the, the setting the bar pretty low, but I don't know how to make it work, how to make it happen. I, I have the drive, though, but my dream is to make a Carnosaur film, to make one of those in the series – or a remake. I have a perfect idea for one. I just don't know who to talk to. I don't know how to get through to anybody, and I don't know why anybody would would look at me for it. But perhaps you have a perfect one. So if anyone's out there, yeah, no, <laughs> maybe maybe Roger right. Corman's still the man to talk to. I don't <laughs> know if he still owns something. all these old films, but uh, yeah. But I mean, but you said I, something earlier a few minutes ago about like the one cardinal sin a movie can commit is being boring, and that's and that's why we're friends. Because we're right. both on this. We may not always agree like on movies and whatnot and what our, our ratings stand on. But I will, I've will. i said that a thousand times over. A movie can commit many, many sins. It just better not be boring. I and mean, this movie is anything but boring. It's so fast-paced, oh, yeah, so action-packed. Yeah, some movies are so awful. People, they love them because they're, they're so entertaining in that way. But it, just to put something on the screen for an hour and a half or so and just be like come away nothing like forgetful uh you know you don't you don't remember it forgettable not forgetful forgettable or just non-impactful in any way it's like eh it's a big nothing so either be make it horribly bad like epically bad <laughs> or really good or just have something memorable about it just or at least it have moving. it be fun at least just have yeah, it be that's fun it. and i think These that's total, where the are total fun movies that's where the the big budget movies fail because they're you know as I I've often used the one liner that you know a movie like the Titanic had a you know a cappuccino budget that's bigger than any movie I've ever worked on, <laughs> right? But it's a big pile of pretentious coffee table dog shit, and <laughs> you know I just don't, don't like Titanic. I think it's so boring, but it's still yeah, like and, and, the, and I'm kind of like you there. I I thought that and and um years ago my mom is like okay, you're going to stop watching this crap for a little bit. You're going to go see Titanic with me. I'm like, mm, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> the, the, the son. I'm like, sure, I'll do whatever you want. Um, I actually like Titanic. <laughs> I am oddly, I, I appreciate it. I thought it was a good movie and it was much better than I thought it was going to be. But um, it doesn't ever mean that I want to rush out and watch it again. I, I appreciate it for what it was. But um, yeah, I mean, you can see millions of dollars in play there. And to me, that kind of kills the charm of stuff. That kind of kills, you know, looking at an actor on screen knowing they get 50 million dollars for a movie or whatever i'm not talking about anyone in particular just in general it kind of takes the the charm out of it knowing that someone is there on their own dime or just really getting up early morning and working them the, the lines and really getting committing to the role just for the love of the art and I, you know, it, it sounds like a broken record with indie film. Like, oh, we'll give you exposure, we'll do this, and but there's just no money to promise anyone anything else. You cannot operate that way. You know, occasionally, if you spend enough money to bring in one of the big names and you want to feed everyone properly and treat everyone well and at least help out wherever you can with gas or whatever, there's, you know, you know, the budgets that uh, Jim and I work on, they're non-existent. But yeah, we're able I mean, the same with the out, ones that I've worked right? with, you know, and we're able, all able to turn out great films. But, you know, you're 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 calling in favors to fr- not just friends, you're calling in favors to people that you consider friends, but that are decent actors. You know, there's a difference between the the Hollywood and the indie film. You know, if you're an indie director or writer, one of the cardinal sins, in my opinion, with indie films, just throwing all your friends in there for the hell of it. If they're not right for the role and they can't act, that's going to pull your production down. So you still want to get um, decent actors in your films and decent people that look like they belong in that role, not just, oh, I just threw them in because. Um, right, yeah, of, just throwing them in because they were there. 
Right. And so when you look at stuff like Carnosaur 3 and Carnosaur 2, even Carnosaur the original, um, you can kind of understand that. I mean, people are getting paid and whatever, but they definitely aren't the they were never the, the top of Hollywood's um, elite, uh, you know, must have list in my movie. I mean, you're never going to see The Rock, you know, The Rock in a fucking Carnosaur movie. Right. But somehow, you know, fifth one ended up with Jeff Fahey and D. Wallace and Tony Todd. But um, and, you know, the fourth one had Corbin Burnson and all that. But um, and Eric Roberts (laughs) and Eric Roberts, (laughs) they're still not like a listers or anything else like that. But um, they they did a good they were the the casting was done very right for these films. The, The actors are great. And maybe they are reminiscent of, you know, some more popular uh, characters in, in more Hollywood driven movies, but um, that doesn't mean that they're ripoffs of them. It, it looks like they really did a good job and they're solid stand on their own actors. Yeah, the acting is all very solid in this movie. You know, it's yeah. a little bit, it's a tad bit uneven, but the only thing that I would consider, <clears throat> the only thing I would consider to be a ripoff is there's a couple of times towards the second half of the movie where the music is very reminiscent of Predator, of that main theme. You know, and I I won't try to hum it here because I'm not musically inclined whatsoever. But there's a certain theme to the Predator. There's this, it's one of those like, oh, they just changed two notes and and changed it around. But I can forgive that. Like, again, I can forgive that. It didn't commit the sin of being boring. But I'm I'm willing to overlook anything for Polchek. Polchek is the MVP in this movie. (laughs) He is. Well, again, you know, I'm, I'm, it's Scott Valentine, I think. Um, I really appreciated him in this film because, like I said, I, I think he um, is a very um, has a potential to be a very fine actor, but he just has never really been able to showcase it properly. Um, and so, like, I think, in my opinion, like I said, you mentioned Black Scorpion 2 and all that. But I think, to be honest, my my um, my demon lover uh, was probably the most notable film until Carnosaur 3 for him. And to think of both of those titles both of those aren't exactly box office gold, but um, I think those are both really good performances for him. Um, but nothing really stands out on his resume other than Family Ties, which it's it's fine. But, you know, I think he's very, very good. And so I think his presence in this film, um, like we keep talking about Polchek and everything, but I think um, that his presence in this film, for me, really uh, elevated it. Um, I just liked seeing him on screen. I thought he did a good job, and I like him, and I think he's sorely underused. So I enjoyed yeah. having. Hey, no, I mean he was part of the, like the the Corman, uh, the Roger Corman group core of, of people, you know, with Absolutely. the the Black Scorpion films, and there was one that he did that I'm also a big fan of called Sleep with a Vampire. Oh yeah, yep, exactly. With him yep. and uh, uh, Full Moon's uh, own uh, Charlie Spradley. But you know, it's a really great story, you know, and he, he, he he's got range. You know, you you can see he's got range. But a lot of times when you hear, you know, like I said, if you look at casually, even just looking through his filmography, those don't really jump out at people. Now, they're good films or he's good in those films, but they don't really jump out and and, uh, stand out to anybody. So it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Yes, it is. Well, we get back to the story here. We get back to the story. Uh, We we had the entrance of uh, Janet Gunn as Dr. Hodge, and she kind of gives a breakdown of the of the dinosaurs and how, how they work, how they came to be, how, you know, how there's velociraptors, there is a T-Rex that we don't see until almost the very end of the movie. Which is, is also kind of unfortunate. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the T-Rex, but, you know, once we get it, it it's pretty awesome. And we get some more hijinks with uh, Polchik passing some notes about talking about the doctor, and like, hey, have you checked out her ass? It's, just, it's all very... <laughs> It, it plays more like a Porky's movie again, you yes. know, bringing it up Porky's, but it's it's funny. But I love the plan that they come up with. They they had done their homework and they knew that there was a big ship shipment of beef getting shipped off from somewhere to Hawaii <laughs> that they they just happened to find. So they're gonna they decipher that the dinosaurs are gonna go there. So they set up a trap. They can't, you know, they can't kill the dinosaurs. That's the p- part where I feel the. Uh, the the frustration with uh, Scott Valentine's character Higgins 
Like he's like, I'm well, not going in there, you know, like with not using de- deadly force. Well, he's people like people are getting popped off. So yeah, he's like, what the hell? He's like, my people are dying left and right. The rest of them are going to die left and right too. And he's like, how am I supposed to stop them without, you know, with anything more than a, a you know, a 45 and a, a couple M16s? These are dinosaurs. We're not trained for this. Right. But I, I, you know, the one thing that this movie I thought did do well, it set up a couple of red herrings. Because I think, you know, at one point you kind of think that General Mercer or Colonel Mercer is going to be going to double cross them at one point. Like that was the idea that I got was going to happen. They kind of play that off as a red herring because, you know, you don't quite trust them. But, uh, you know, it just never comes to be. And, you know, the doctor and Higgins, they kind of have it out with Mercer. Then they're intercutting between that and the (laughs) the pole check. And Proudfoot arm wrestling scene, right? Which I love. And Proudfoot, right. you know, he's again Polchek's just being a typical sexist kind of soldier type guy. He's like, I ain't gonna take orders from no woman. So she's like, Well, here, I'll, I'll tell you what, we'll arm wrestle. She ends up losing, but then she yeah. ends up showing it later on that she really could have beat him because right. she was doing it left-handed and right. she was not. Right. She was right-handed. I thought that was great. You know, it was like, good. And- yeah, no, it was. It was, um, again, there's a play on the familiar to people to keep them interested enough, but they've made it original enough at the same time. Like, you can't really look at this and say, that's a carbon copy of that, or that's a rip. You can't. You're just like, oh, okay, I guess what they're doing there. I see what they're doing. Now, my my uh, my wife thinks that um, Carnosaur 2 is a complete ripoff of Aliens. Uh, I, I can't really, I don't really have much defense defense for that one because it kind of is um yeah it's, it's, it's a little like, bit it's a little they made bit. it them, they made it their own i mean they you know the one thing i really like about this series and i think it becomes really apparent in the third one because again that's it's the third one <laughs> um where, where you know a lot of times when you get to a part three and it's direct to video they start rewriting the um the worlds of what has been established already or rewriting history or changing things or storylines, you know, Disney apparently has an issue with that with star Wars. They starting to change things that people are poking holes in. Well, that doesn't make sense because of whatever, um, the carnosaur films, they're, they're loosely, I don't even say they're loosely connected because they really do build on a previous film. They hearken back to the other films they they bring up points that's like oh okay that's what's connecting them and it's not it's not a stretch it's really making it sense um, so they really have created a, a pretty solid universe where they're following their own rules five movies in uh, even with the Eden formula and as loosely connected as that may feel to some the people that really know the series will appreciate the fact that they really did you know stick to the formula and there's a lot of connections between the five and 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 i think they're all considered canon although the first three are really canon and the the latter two are more uh, i mean they're not called carnosaur movies but they're carnosaur it's carnosaur four carnosaur five um but you know the fact that they've established this whole world with their rules and they've kept that going and have just expanded on it. Like when the doctor is talking this, when you said she was like a extension of Diane, uh, Diane Ladd, um, you know, it, it wasn't just a ripoff of it. It's like, no, she's continuing the research. And they brought up a lot of stuff from the first and second movie. And uh, right, right. They brought I'm, up a I'm lot of the, of how, the backstory. Right. And I'm in awe of how admittedly I like Roger Corman films too, but you know, same thing with full moon. The earlier ones tend to be better than the newer ones. Uh, Full Moon, for my taste, the the earlier ones that were before they were even really Full Moon um, were even better than some of the latter ones. Um, So you kind of expect, because Carnosaur, there were a lot of Roger Corman films. There's been a lot since Carnosaur. There were a lot before Carnosaur. But at that point, still having these Roger Corman produced or Roger Corman production films... um, you you kind of, you're you're impressed with the fact that they really are taking the time to put them together and and really deliver something that is that respects the audience. Like I think these movies are a lot better than than people may think. They're like when I originally saw the uh, the cover of the first Carnosaur, um, the the back of the VHS has a 
dinosaur fighting this uh, little construction vehicle. And I'm thinking yeah. Carnivore. I'm like, I'm actually looking at my laser disc right here, yeah. right now, and just got the picture okay, so of it on the back. Yeah, right. So I was thinking, what are these movies? Are they? Are they? This was this thing birthed in a junkyard, and he's coming out and killing. No, Carnosaur is like Carnivore, but it's Carnosaur, and the lady basically created that because she wanted to get rid of the human species. Because, to be honest, we're fucking up the world. I mean. <laughs> How basic there seems to be a pattern. There seems to be plot. a pattern. Right, exactly. <laughs> but but how cool is that plot to take that, which is a good idea, but then tweak it every movie and expand on it, and the universe is constantly growing. Like I, I wish they kept going with these movies. I'm sure they'll have a remake or something down the line because the Eden Formula was only, I think, 14 years ago. It's not you know, it's not dead in the water by any means. This this uh this series, but. Um, I would have liked to see him keep going because there's a lot that they can go, a lot of places that they can explore with this series. You know, when in a world where we have six or seven Sharknado movies, you know, why can't right. we have a, a, a couple more Carnosaur movies, right? Right. And to me, with those, and I, I enjoyed the Sharknado films, but oh, that's so, perfect, so do I. But the perfect example that you brought them up, they don't go anywhere. Nothing really, aside from one person getting beaten up or losing an an appendage and then showing up in the next movie with the same appendage miss you know that kind of thing um they, they didn't really bring anything to that series in my per in my you know in my personal uh oh, opinion. Those movies are strictly popcorn flicks that's it the, right. those movies and, is just like turn your brain off you know with right. dinosaur you need your brain on a little bit but and, yeah and but, people don't start nato not do. at all no, and they they they're they're a lot better than people may think they are on the surface because it, they're it's a cool series. Well, I love like when they get into the science where they they take out the well they think they take out the one specimen because he even mm-hmm. says so much for a live specimen because they shoot the shit <laughs> right. out of one of the velociraptors. Yeah. They they chop the tail off, and the tail starts growing back as they're standing there talking, and the yep. the doctors like you know, the cells are replicating, and the old velociraptor springs back to life on the new table, mm-hmm. right there, you know, on the on the table with the new tail and everything, and just like regenerates itself. As they right. say, you know, it's just like a just like a, a a lizard, you know, if you cut off its tail, it will eventually grow back. So that's what's happening with these things; they're evolving, and right. so th- maybe not exactly sciencey science. But they're put, they're at least staying true to the own science that they created in the first movies. You know, they're not right. trying to reinvent the wheel as it's. No, it's very easy to make along. a sequel. It's very easy to make a sequel and to ignore the rules that you've established, and um, just for the sake of making it um, convenient. And they didn't do that. And it it could have been very easy to totally have a you know redo the whole make Carnosaur two, but it has nothing to do with the first one, or make Carnosaur three. That's in its own world. That is just something else totally. But no, they're building on each other, but they're still delivering a different story. And I I, 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 I like it. You know, and I got to say, this is completely off subject, but I love any movie that has a sequence where they travel by map. <laughs> you know, where you got the Indiana Jones travel by map. You see the little, yeah, the little red line traveling yep. across the screen. It's only on yeah. for two seconds, but any movie that's got that in it is gets a thumbs up in my book. Again, you no, know, they, instead of showing footage of, they get the point across that I, I they were very clever with this series. And I love the the location of our final act. It was we're getting towards the end here. Uh, right. th- that ship that they're on, they utilize Beautiful. every inch of that ship. Most of the time, Beautiful. they show a ship like that. You get a couple exterior shots, and then you get a few interior shots that are like clearly. A, it was very dawn of the day. They were in the boiler room, and it was great. It was great. Yeah, they were they were in the freight elevator. They were on the deck. They were in the hull. They were in multi levels. They <laughs> utilized every square inch they could of that place. And the ship is a great moving location. They get miles and miles of footage out of it. Yeah. But we've also yeah, we, yeah. we we skipped over Garcia got decapitated in the middle of that last scene. <laughs> Sanders gets uh, taken down, and I think Johnson gets his head bitten off too. Uh, either him or Sanders, one of the two. <laughs> I, I mean, there's so many decapitations, and there's more decapitations than any like Friday the Thirteenth film. Yeah, yeah, it's they're they're bloody. They're bloody. Yeah, they're bloody. And then they get trapped. The, they make the where they're gonna like their plan is to flood this ship because it's a cargo ship that has a bunch of refrigerated items. So they're gonna flood one level of it with the the chemicals for the freezer and they're, they're going to freeze the dinosaurs out they're going to trap them there and freeze them out 
And it's a good yep. plan until they get into the freight elevator and the, the carny, as I keep calling them, eats yep. through the elevator wires and drops our team down to the to the, the lower hull, which is now yep. laden with eggs. And they're everywhere, like yep. everywhere. Polchek just is like, well, I got to, you know, I got to, you know, solve this. No problem. I'm just going to shoot every fucking egg. Yep. Well. Mama doesn't think too highly of that. Mama shows up and bites his arm off. Exactly. That's which I think it's ironic. That yeah. <laughs> Proudfoot is there. It's his arm that gets bitten off. It's the same arm that he was arm wrestling her with. I don't know if you caught that, but I, I, I thought that was a that was a little bit ironic. Nice, and she nice. freezes freezes up and can't, you know, she can't shoot, you know, she just freezes up. And right. even like this is where I think Valentine's well, that, was the, that was the big reveal. That was the big dinosaur reveal. So, yeah, the big T Rex re- reveal. Yep. But yep. Higgins, you know, Valentine's character is very understanding. You would have figured he would have been upset, you know, that you know, she kind of let one of his dudes die. She could have like, you know, well, she. I mean, he was already going to die, but she could have, you know, done something. Right. But right. he was just like, you know, I don't you know. She's like, I don't know what happened and everything. I just froze up. I'm sorry. And he's like, No, that's all right. It's just fear. Mm-hmm. And he just breaks it down very simply for her, you know, and he kind of this that that's the moment I think he became very um human. He, yeah, yeah, he, he, he they humanized his character. Yeah. But uh, then we get more predator music. We get that predator theme that I, I expected uh, you know Dutch to come out around the corner and just like, hey, y'all need a hand. <laughs> but the the one thing that is the funniest part of this movie, and it's not even a pole check scene. Is when the is the wharf rat jump scare, right? Yeah, the wharf exactly. rats come out. I was just like, like, oh shit, I forgot about that. I'm like, we got wharf rats yeah. up in this motherfucker now. Yeah, they they shot a couple of them too. Yep, yeah. and those things were huge looking. They mm-hmm. were like the oh, they were like uh, the, the, the 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 those big giant rats out of uh, like um, food of the gods too. Or something. yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Gnaw food yeah. of the gods. Exactly. But what happens? What happens to Proudfoot? What do we get? We get another decapitation. This is where I made the note. Like Carnies love biting off fucking heads. I'm like, are these really like? Dinosaurs or are they zombies that like brains? I just know right. they're eating a lot of heads. <laughs> and we finally get the T Rex in all her wonderful glory. And really, when it comes down to the wire, you know, because the doctor the whole time, Doctor Hodges. It's very adamant that they need to save these specimens. But when it comes down to it and she's in trouble, she's like, kill these motherfuckers. Yep, like, yep, kill these yep. things. Like, like, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not playing around anymore. And yep. I love the line she has when she says, it's the wrong time to tell you I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah, I got a kick. <laughs> I love Valentine's response. And he says something to the effect of, uh, he's like, well, if you pass out on me, you're dead. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, not going to be able to help you. But this, they set the bombs. This is almost towards the end of our movie. They set the bombs, and it wouldn't be a sci-fi actioner without a slow-motion metered countdown, which is what we get. And the bombs are going off. They're running in slow motion, you know, because everybody looks so much cooler when they're running with a fireball behind them. <laughs> but this is the point that where I got to – I know I kind of pick on movies a little bit. Even if I love them, I'll pick pick apart a little bit. Some of the ex- ending explosions as this ship is blowing the hell up look spectacular. They look mm-hmm. really, really good. And then there's a couple of them that you could tell they used it's some CG, like CGI. Yeah, yeah. Like PlayStation like, 2 graphic style. Yeah, it was like CGI. It was like, uh, and everything. It didn't, yeah, it didn't look that great. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's like, I would say 90% of that footage at the end, you know, with the explosions going off, looked spectacular. It was really great pyrotechnics. But then there would just be an insert with like, oh wow, that looked really blocky and, and pixelated, <laughs> and like they. Yeah. Should, but yeah, yeah, some of them were just wow bad. But my favorite, one of my favorite parts is that ending bumper, where we, yeah. you know, this movie d- does have the like the secondary ending. It it, it knew yeah. when to end, but it gave you one little bit where that, that last, it, it, like, right, that little jump. The little jumps with the the last terrorist that was left in the back of the cop car, who's been sitting in that cop car the entire time, for hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours, he gets the he what's he get he gets his head bit off by another carnosaur. There seems yeah. to be a pattern here. 
Well, the, so that's you know, okay. That's, it's that's, a pattern that I like. It's a pattern that I like. It is, and and that's what I was talking about too. Is that um, that to me was every horror movie should have that tacked on. That that just kind of par for the course with that stuff. But when you have a a long drawn out ending, and it ends, and you turn around and you have another long drawn out, and that that's like too much. Um, and I don't like when films do that that much, which some of them do suffer from that. But no, I thought that was great. That's just a little, you know, oh no, you're not quite. That was the last terrorist. And, you know, that's the kind of like, if uh, I'll tell you this real quick, because I know we're wrapping up, but like Return to Killer Tomatoes, when George Clooney tosses the pizza right in the beginning. And at the end, it's like, we didn't leave any, we didn't forget anything. And it's like, oh no. And then the pizza falls. No, nothing, you know, they, yeah. they, they, that up. So this kind of same thing here, like if you're paying attention in a movie, if you are paying attention, who knows? You'd be like, well, they never got that last guy. Well, they got him right at the end. <laughs> so, yeah, they got that motherfucker. They didn't forget about him. They did. Yeah. But that being said, we're at the end of our movie, and it would not yeah. be the end of this series, but it is the end of Primal Species Carnosaur 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been on the show before, so you know how we do around here. We do a rating of, uh, on a scale from 1 to 10. One being the worst, ten being the best. So go ahead and give us your final thoughts and, and rating on a scale from one to ten. I just if, if if no one has seen this series from beginning to hopefully not the end, but at least the beginning to where it is right now, Carnosaur through Eden Formulas Part Five, check them out. You'll especially horror fans, you guys will love them. Um, that being said, I, I don't think there's a huge drop off in quality. I think uh, I would probably give Carnosaur three, which I believe is my favorite out of the five. I give it an eight out of ten, and that's not saying anything bad because I I really think that the worst one in the series is probably a six or a six and a five out of ten. So there's not there's not a big sway with those, but Carnosaur three I would give an eight definitely. Well, we're coming in pretty close. We're always usually about a point off. I'm coming in at a seven. Nice. I, I think I, I kind of like part two the best. Three is next, and then one. Mm-hmm. But the series is a lot of fun now. I was just going to say, is it ever going to win any awards? No, but it did win an award. It did. It it won an award of the Academy of Science Fiction, (laughs) Fantasy, and Horror Golden Scroll Award. Uh, The first one, I think, won the same award, too. Yeah, I think it did, too. Exactly. But, you know, it's a fun series. If you go into it knowing what you're expecting, you know, with uh, your, and I wouldn't say with your expectations low, that's the wrong way of putting it, but with your expectations in the right place. Exactly. You know, if you go into it expecting something with a Steven Spielberg budget, you're going to be disappointed. But when you it's see it's the name totally... Roger Corman on it, it it does not disappoint uh, for a sci-fi action horror movie. It definitely doesn't disappoint on the level of a Roger Corman film. No, it's better than you think it's going to be. It delivers with the gore, the dinosaurs for having very low budget. I think they look terrific. Um, and even when they don't, they look they're fun. Uh, they're not like stupid looking um, in any of the films. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's a great series. Definitely worth checking out. I, I read that in the, the trivia that they used the same uh, robotic uh, T-Rex as they did from the original because mm-hmm. the original one didn't, didn't – it was kind of like the shark from Jaws. It was like Bruce from Jaws. It didn't mm-hmm. work when it was supposed to, so they had to use a, some right. puppetry and some other forced perspective and miniatures. Then they rebooted or revamped the the T Rex for this one, and it worked a little better, but it still didn't well, quite. They, I, they also had a rubber creature in, in this one for some parts. Um, for some of the ones when the doors were being like pushed open to when uh, Scott Valentine was trying to slam the doors and it was stuff banging against the door, that was clearly a man and a creature outfit. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looked cool. It looked great. It all adds to the charm of the film. Yeah, Not, and it's all like with the exception of those little tidbits. At the end, with the uh, the the CGI, the the digital uh, flames and explosion, everything was done very practical, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that. You know me; I'm, I'm huge on big practical effects. I'm not exactly anti CGI, but I don't I, I don't mind CGI when used to enhance things as opposed to just to completely replace something. I would rather see an animatronic. I would rather see a 16 foot tall animatronic you know, dinosaur than see something CGI'd. It's just money. It's just money. That's yeah. But that being said, that this has been a fun one. Uh this has probably been the most unusual sequel we've done thus far. (laughs) Nice. 
Yeah, leave, leave it leave it to you to pick the the weirdest one of the bunch so, uh, so far. Yeah, you did. You're like, we're doing sequels. I'm like, okay, I'm in. And you're like, yeah, we're doing all number twos. I'm like, how about number three? And you're like, uh, what? Cornisol. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, I, I, I was kind of leaving it up to every guest. I'm like, listen, like, I'll yeah. let you. You pick the sequel because, like, you know, I've, I've been picking forever. You know, I'll right. let you pick one. And everybody pick part twos. I'm like, you know, everybody's been picking twos. Pick a, pick a three. And when you said Carnosaur three, and I'm like, now that, that's a deep dive one. I'm like, that's <laughs> that's not like Friday three or Halloween three, you know, which, again, not not that I have any problem with those movies. But that's a deep dive. Carnosaur three, deep dive. I love Pineal Species. I aim to please. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh but, well man thanks again for coming on the show i know it's always hard to get our schedules to kind of mesh right and everything i was always, glad we finally always. got yeah always absolutely i always have time for you man you you want my you, you're one of the good ones you're one of my real buds so <laughs> yep yep friends are few and far between in this business but i'm glad you're one of mine so Fantastic. thanks again for coming on the show hopefully i convince you to come back on here pretty soon because hey, there, there's no shortage of sequels so we got no yeah. shortage of show material Nope, not at all. And everyone, thanks for tuning in and I uh, appreciate it. And check me out online. Right. All right, everybody. Thank you once again. You have been listening to Sequel 2 Deja Vu on Cinema Degeneration. And remember, terror is never extinct. So, Doctor, you ready to join the pro extinction party? What do you propose? The way I see it, we've only got one option blow the ship. <laughs>